Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, the one, the only, the fabulous Linda Cohn in a half hour on the Goodyear hotline. We will get to that. But this is something I've been holding on to for a little while, and the subject seems particularly important now. With the NBA getting set to start the second half of their season, coming off the All-Star break and everything else, I want to talk about one of the most misused, misrepresented, and misunderstood words in sports, and that word is analytics. Now, bear in mind, I sit next to Hembo, and Hembo has become one of my most trusted colleagues ever. And Hembo, I think it's fairly safe to say that your life basically consists of two things, your wife, Lizzie, and analytics. And not always in that order. Correct. I mean, let's put it this way. I know that you put together Lizzie's war before you made the decision to propose to her, no right? Doubt. You know exactly what the... That's what, in the spreadsheet. What are some of the other uh, stats that you told me? OPS what Plus, the, weighted runs created. Yeah, all that stuff. I know that you, you put together all of that before you made the decision to get down on one knee. So, so here's the problem with the word analytics. It's an ugly word. It's lifeless. It's bloodless. Advanced statistical analysis. No one gets excited about anything that's called that. And no one dreams of someday doing it. We dream of hitting a home run to win the World Series. We dream of catching a touchdown in the Super Bowl. But here's the deal. Analytics are sports now. They've taken over. People are making decisions upon which millions of dollars rest. And they're not going to do that on a hunch in sports any more than you would if you ran a network or an automaker or an airline or literally anything else. So what are the implications of analytics on sports? Because they are extraordinary. And I'm going to separate them now into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Analytics are the best thing ever to happen to football. That is the good. Through math, People figured out that passing the football, going for it on fourth down, going for two, taking more risk, trying to increase offense, those things make sense in the pursuit of winning. And they also, purely coincidentally, happen to be the best things about the sport. They make it way better, more exciting. So analytics have been great for football and football fans. Let's leave that to the side. The bad is baseball. The most perfect and beautiful game we ever invented has been turned into a slog. Where the ball is never in play, there are never late-game confrontations between legendary pitchers and sluggers. And even the home run has become humdrum. Math and the pursuit of winning have made the game much less watchable to the point that the leadership of the sport has taken steps to change rules to limit parts of it. Good for them. That's the right thing to do. That's their job. So that's the bad. But what I really want to talk about today is the ugly. And that is basketball. I'm here to tell you that analytics in the way of the three-point shot have become a real problem for the sport. And there's a part of me that almost gets choked up saying this to you. Because I can hear my father's voice in my ear. He was the first person I ever heard say that. He said, Michael, the three-point shot is the worst thing that ever happened to basketball. This is when they first brought it in. He would say, that's not what this game is. My father loved basketball like you wouldn't believe. And he went all the way back. Dick McGuire was his favorite player. My father went to City College, CCNY, in New York at the time that they won the NCAA NNIT in the same year. 
something no school will ever do again. In those days, you could play in both of them, and they did while my father was a student there. I think he fell in love with basketball at that moment and never stopped. And he hated the three-point shot. And he would always tell me, Michael, the objective of this beautiful game is to play in synchronicity and pass the ball around so that someone gets the best possible shot as close as possible to the basket. Now, I would always tell him, you need to adapt to the times. You need to adjust. But now I think I've come to the conclusion that he was right. The big man is a dinosaur. We talked earlier in the show about how being the center of the Los Angeles Lakers is like the most prestigious thing in sports. How ridiculous does that sound? My son doesn't even know what that means. What is a center, Dad? Is, is he the guy who just protects the rim and, and, and you throw him alley-oops? No, the center was supposed to be the best player on the team, the most important player on the team, the biggest star in the sport. The mid-range game, done. This is not as much fun to watch. And Kevin Arnovitz, very quickly, Hembo, tell everyone who Kevin Arnovitz is. An ESPN NBA writer. Okay, he did a magnificent deep dive into this, which I assigned Hembo to read for me because it was endless. And I said, you need to distill this down to the most important pieces of it. And he comes up with the conclusion that I have been considering for a while. And that is that multiple league insiders say that as the rate of three-pointers has exploded, the NBA has reached critical mass. The three-ball has created a monotonous rhythm to each game. It has distorted the scoring system that determines wins and losses. And Daryl Morey is now the president of the Sixers, who was the, the beginning of all this. He, he was the one who brought analytics to basketball. He's the Bill James of basketball. And he did it because he's smart. He went to Northwestern, and he's smart, and he figured out. He started figuring this out before most other people did. But he's the one pointing out the problem. He says, with all sports, you want there to be a strategic dynamic where there are multiple paths to victory. Let's make it clear what he means. There's a lot of different ways to win. He says, the way this is going now, it's unbalanced. The reward given for the three is 50% greater than the reward for the two. That's out of balance. And what he's telling you is we're getting to a point now where there's really only one way to win. That if you're not just hoisting up threes, you can't win. You can't win with defense. You can't win with this. And with that, there's a lot of different ways to play baseball. There's a lot of different ways to play football. He's saying that the real concern is there could become only one way to play basketball. And I just want you to think about this. It's a lot of numbers. But given the 50% premium for a shot that is almost never 50% more difficult trying to convince teams, players, executives, and others to not take threes is to tell them, don't do everything you can to win. And no one wants to do that. Let me give you some numbers. Including the playoffs, there have been 61 games in NBA history that have featured at least 93s. 45 of those have happened since the start of last season. The three-pointer now represents 40% of all field goal attempts. That's up 61%. Over the last 10 years. If you think about this, the teams right now are averaging 112 points a game. The lowest scoring team in the NBA, the Cavaliers, are averaging 104.6 points a game. That would have been first in the league 10 years ago. Last in the league in scoring today would have been first in the league 10 years ago. Let me give you a quick number here. Comparing to last season... 
The Mavericks recorded the highest offensive efficiency in a season in recorded history. This season, it would rank sixth. That's in one year. So this isn't changing unless someone changes it. And here's the good news. I don't just point out problems. I solve them. So coming up next, I will tell you exactly how we can solve this problem, and it is something that they need to do immediately. And I'll tell you what that is right after this. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. I'm Greeny, and I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. The great Linda Cohn with me live in 15 minutes. But we're in the midst of a discussion about my solution to what I believe is a legitimate problem for the NBA, and that is that the three-point shot has just taken over the game, and it is for all the right reasons. You want teams, players, coaches, executives, and everyone else involved to be doing everything they can to win, and they have exploited something that is out of proportion, which is that a shot that is not 50% harder is worth 50% more points. They have exploited that to a place where it, it, it makes no logical sense not to do it. So you cannot tell a team, shoot fewer threes, because it would be malpractice to do so. It would be a breach of your fiduciary responsibility. So what do they have to do? They have to change the rules. In the same way that pro football has multiple times changed rules, in the same way that Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, and the NBA itself has changed rules multiple times, they have done so in order to make the game more watchable, more competitive, or more whatever it is they want to be more of. No one should have a problem with that, and I certainly don't. So let's solve this problem. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long Long after after its time. time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. Exactly. So, Hembo, when you read the Kevin Arnovitz piece, he gives one suggestion of a solution that I don't like. Tell everybody what Hmm. that is, the one about the limitations. So... One solution, this is one that executives have even suggested, is to cap the amount of three-pointers that a team is allowed to take. So you specify the number, you cannot exceed it, and beyond that, any shot that you shoot beyond the three-point arc would only count for two. Okay, so there's a certain number of threes you can get in a game. You can shoot from wherever you want, but only, I'm just making this up, 20 times, 15 times, 25 times, whatever it is. 
Only that number of times would that shot be worth three points. I don't love it. I don't love it. It feels contrived. It feels like something you're following now. Do you really want Jeff Van Gundy explaining to you, well, they've already made their 20th three, so from this point forward, you'll have a little graphic at the bottom of your screen, threes remaining. I guess we would get used to that if they did it. It's not a bad idea, but I don't like it. It feels contrived. It doesn't feel like the best solution. It feels like college overtime. I hate college football's overtime because it feels contrived. It just doesn't feel like the game anymore. We're doing something else. And that's what I don't like about that, and that's what I don't like about this. To me, the answer to this is so simple. So simple. Move the line back. Just move it out. The shot is just much too easy. So long as teams comfortably hit 30% of their shots, they will never stop. Push the line back. Get that number into the 20s. The moment the first digit on that shot is a two instead of a three, they will stop doing it because geniuses like Daryl Morey aren't trying to make the game boring. They're trying to win. They need to make this change because this is not what the game was intended to be. It is an impediment to the watchability of it. It has changed too many things about it fundamentally. It has taken too many players out of the game, i.e. big men. Their value has diminished to next to nothing. And the biggest one, the first one they have to take away is the corner three. Hembo gave me this statistic. The league is shooting 40% on corner threes. Just think about that for a moment. That means for every 100 possessions, if you take a corner three, you will score 120 points. You would have to shoot 60% from inside the arc in order to equal that. Shooting 60% is what NBA players do four feet from the basket and closer. So the minute you're five feet away from the basket, envision what five feet is. The minute you're five feet away from the basket, you are better off shooting a a corner three than you are taking a shot from where you currently are. It's just math. That's all analytics are. We hate the word, but that's what it is. It's just math. And the people running these sports are math people now. When Daryl Morey and Charles Barkley were fighting on TV all the time, Charles wasn't wrong, but he is wrong. The math wins. Math is an absolute. So is science, by the way, but let's not have that conversation right now. These are not things that are open to opinion or interpretation. The math is the math. 60% is 60%. 40% is 40%. And as long as players can make these shots, you watched the All-Star game the other night? Steph Curry and Damian Lillard are comfortably hoisting up 47-foot jump shots. They're not heaving the ball. They're shooting it in perfect form. So we got to move that back. Now, how far back is something that we have to figure out? Hembo, what were you telling me? What is the 29 feet? The break-even point here is 29 feet, meaning at that distance, that's when the, the average field goal percentage goes below 33%. But that's, that's not a good stat, it seems to me, because... Hmm. People aren't taking that shot normally. People aren't taking a lot of 25-footers, right? That's just not the way these things are going. People aren't shooting from four feet behind the line, three feet behind the line. There are more than 1,500 shots this season taken between 28 and 30 feet. It's a lot of right. shots. But, but a lot of those, those are the particularly long ones. How many shots were taken at 24 feet, 25 feet, just behind the line? Which is to say, I, want the, I still want the shot part of the game. I'm not taking the shot out of the game. But we just need to knock the percentage down a little bit. 
When you, the shot is just too easy. Everyone can make it. If you just knock that number down, dial it back just a couple of percent, it will make all the difference. The league shoots 38% between 24 and 25 feet. It's still pretty high. 38%. Mm. So even that might not be enough, but I'm willing to try. I'm willing to start <laughs> there. I'm not talking about moving it back to 29 feet. Don't get me wrong. That's crazy. But if you just move it back, let's just start by moving it back a foot and see what happens. You're still going to get Steph Curry. You're still going to get James Harden. You're still going to get Dame Lillard. You're still going to get that. I'm not taking that out of the game. But you just can't have that be the best shot in every situation. You just cannot have teams, when they're running a three-on-one break, flaring to the corners because they want to take a, 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 a corner three instead of an uncontested layup. That's just not basketball. And I have to believe the people who run this sport agree with that. If you love the sport, if you, if you have paid attention to it for longer than the last four years, you know I'm right. So to me, that's the solution. Just start moving the line back until we figure it out. <laughs> you don't necessarily solve the problem in one year, but you address it, and then you just keep going until you get there. I really want to spend some more time on this, but I, I got a break here, and I got Linda Cohn coming up, but I want to hear Hembo's thoughts. Nuno, I want to hear your thoughts, and I want to take some calls on this. I don't think we'll have time to do it today, but we'll bring it back tomorrow or whenever we can because I think this is an existential question, and I think it's an incredibly important one. And do I have Adam Silver tomorrow? I think I do. I think we have Adam, no, no, we have Adam Silver tomorrow. So I will bring that up with him as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, So to me, that's the beginning of the solution to this problem. The great Linda Cohn is live next on Greeny ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. The moments and the voices behind them. Along with Linda Cohen, Chris Myers, glad you could make it for the show. We want to welcome Linda to uh, Sports Center here. She comes to us by way of Seattle and New York before that. Nice of Larry Loretta, too, to light up a cigar on your behalf. Well, Chris, you know, I, I don't smoke, but thanks anyway. I just didn't want to make a mistake, and I just wanted to show the viewers not only how much I knew sports, but you know what? Even more important, how much I loved sports. 
anyone would kill for this opportunity, and about 60 of us crazy goalies did, <laughs> picked to take part in this tryout to be a practice goalie for a day for the Panthers. Why is this Caps team better than the Caps teams oh. we've seen in the past, or is it? Linda, they're sucking me in, man. They're sucking me in. Me I'm too. believing in me the Caps. This is Legendary Voices Week with Greeny. Greeny with you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase and presented by Progressive Insurance. And joining me now on the Goodyear Hotline, I can tell you in the now nearly 25 years that I have been at ESPN, when people ask me about people here, what's it like working with so-and-so? What is he really like? What is she really like? There is no one I get asked more about than my next guest, the legendary Linda Cohn, who's with me on ESPN Radio. Good morning, LC. Greeny. First of all, great intro. Second of all, thank you for sharing those kind words. That means so much, and it's always great to share a stage with you. We, we have had a lot of fun together over the many years with many shows, and she's, of course, the legendary Sports Center anchor and also hosts the Hockey Podcast, and I want to get into all the hockey stuff with you in a minute here. But just when you hear that stuff, like I find myself thinking sometimes, Again, this summer, it'll be 25 years for me here, which is impossible nice. for me to believe. Like some of the stuff that we did back in the day, I remember like old newsroom stuff that no one listening to us knows what I mean. But like just old newsrooms we used to work in and, and, and people that we worked with and all that stuff. And it seemed, it feels to me like it has gone by in about 25 minutes, not 25 years. How does it feel to you? When I, how, how many years have you been at ESPN now, Linda? Because you started before me. Yes, I started Greeny in 1992. So can we do the math together? What's that? Uh, it's 29 almost 29 years. years. July of almost 29 in July. So yeah, and you're absolutely right. And I think it's important that we do look back with fondness and smile and remember those great times. I know that old cliche is, "Hey, don't look back. You're not going that way." But in the case of what we were a community, a family, and I'm not saying it isn't that way now. It's just so humongous with studios all over the country, uh, which is fantastic. But isn't it great, Greeny, when we look back and people remind us of it, which is that just shows you what kind of impact we had early on. And it stayed with all of these people who now grow up to be adults. And I, you hear this. I know it. I hear it all the time. Hey, it was so great to grow up with you, you know, that kind of thing. And and and. That's, to me, the greatest thing. So I love that the impact we made, we were just doing what we love the most, enjoying the journey, and it really had an amazing rippling effect. Not only are those who watched and listened to us, but the fact that, hey, knock on wood, we're still here. <laughs> you know, one more on this, and we're going to get to the sports of the day, but I like this topic. So I came at a time when I arrived, which was the summer of 96, was when we were the, all the, the talent, the anchors were working out of those little um, trailers or whatever those were, the, because they were building the buildings. There was only one. When you started, there would have only been one building. Now I think there are 16 or something in Bristol. But when I got there was when they were building what I will still think of as the new building where the studios were. So we would work in these little trailers. So when I first started, I'm sitting in a trailer and I've got a little desk. And sitting on one side of me, well, there's Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick and Charlie <laughs> Steiner and Linda Cohn and Robin Roberts and Stuart Scott. And it was like it was yep. just too much to believe. You remember that time like there's there, there's there's an element of that that I still it still feels to me like it just happened. Yeah. And the Dan Patrick's, you know, those kind of people where you're just trying not to when you I don't know about you, but I was very nervous when I first started. I love that you showed the clip of the great Chris Myers with me. Uh, he's he's a real peach. I love him to death. 
Um, but, you know, there was nerves because we were the giants. But the fact is, um, you know, I, I just after the first couple of weeks, I was like, OK, yeah, I am one of them and I'm going to show everybody I'm one of them and I belong here. And I remember the, you know, the greatest advice Robin Roberts gave me, you know, she, of course, legend herself. I, I, there are no more. I can't think of any more adjectives to describe the greatness of Robin Roberts. But I asked her, I go, how come you, you go up there, you're on, you know, you're on camera, you're never nervous, you never look nervous. She goes, it's because I believe I'm the best. Hmm. Simple as that. It was spoken like a true athlete. And of course, I played hockey, as you know, and goalie. And I'm like, yes, that triggered my inner brain of being a goalie of like, hey, I, I can stop the puck. I can do this, too, and I can be an ESPN Sports Center anchor. Greeny and the great Linda Cohn. So I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, you probably know this, but no one else listening. Everyone's goal when they work with you is to make you laugh because Linda will laugh on the air a lot more than most other people. Everyone else will try, and no matter how funny your line is, no matter how hard you're trying, will not laugh. Linda is a, is a good laugher. You will give a laugh. Who made you, of all the people over 29 years, who made you oh. laugh the hardest on the air? That's a great question. And I'm proud of that, by the way, because that really comes from my heart and, and genuine, those laughs, nothing fake about it. Um, but it has to be, even though everyone tried and most were successful, let me add that. Kenny Maine. Mm -hmm. Kenny Maine made me laugh the most, uh, followed by Keith Olbermann. All I had to do was look at their face when they delivered a line <laughs> or all I had to do, especially with Kenny. And you know this. All you had to do was look at him and you crack up because you knew something dry and hilarious was going to take place. Very funny. OK, Linda Cohn is with me. I could do this forever, <laughs> but let's get to the sports and, and all the rest of that as yes. we go here. Um, let, let, we did a list today of the most prestigious okay. positions in sports, the, the positions that sort of stand out. It came because Dak signed with the Cowboys, and we were talking about yeah. being the quarterback of the Cowboys just feels different. Being the center fielder for the Yankees feels different. Being the line, middle linebacker for the Bears feels different. What is that in hockey, in, in the sport of hockey? What is that position that stands out above all the rest and, and just has a different spotlight? This is the easiest answer I'm ever going to give you. It's the goaltender. I always definitely equate goalies to NFL quarterbacks, NHL goalies with NFL quarterbacks. Now, sadly for NHL goalies, they don't make as much or come close to making as much um, with the salary differential from an NFL quarterback to everybody else on the team. But they are the most uh, impactful to their team. They, they can determine who wins, who loses. Um, you know, they always go in there doing their best, just like an NFL quarterback. And oh, by the way, just like an NFL quarterback, they can't do it alone. They need help. They need support. They need a frontline center. They need top-line defensemen to clear their rebounds. NFL quarterbacks, we all know. Hey, listen, for Dak Prescott, this is the year. It's Super Bowl or bust, especially because he still has Cooper and Elliott with him. After that, who the heck knows? But um, there's no question uh, the goaltender, to me, comes closest to the significance and impactful you know, position of an NFL quarterback. Linda Cohn is with me. She hosts In the Crease on ESPN Plus and was a hockey player herself. So for, for, for those, I think most people know that, but who knows if everybody knows everything these days. <laughs> Quickly, because I know you to be a fan of the Giants. We mentioned Dak. Yes. What was your reaction to the Dak contract? Well, he's got to first win the division, right? And then again, that division, this just in, quite winnable. We saw what happened last year. Uh, but, you know, we all expect all of those teams in the NFC East will be better. Um, Dak needs to win the division. Uh, let's start there. But I really believe it's Super Bowl bust for him. Now, for my uh, Giants, and yeah, I'm loyal, Greeny. We all stay loyal to our teams, you know, type of thing. 
Um, the jury, this is it for Daniel Jones for me. Uh, I'm, I'm in the minority of Giants fans. Most Giant fans, you know, oh, wait, Linda, he's great. He doesn't have enough weapons, blah, blah, blah. I go, yeah, he's got some talent there. He's mobile. I get it. Uh, but he holds on to the ball too long. So just like if you ask me right now, most pressure quarterbacks, NFC East, Dak Prescott, number one, Daniel Jones, number two. Mm. I need to see tremendous progress out of him. Yes, I hope they get a receiver, go through free agency, maybe pick up a Kenny Galladay uh, or someone that can help him on the outside. And yes, Evan Ingram has to catch his passes, but uh, he holds on to the ball way too long. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the pressure, Greeny and the great Linda Cohn. I'm with you on that. And there are only three quarterbacks in the division. Right? We don't even know who the Washington quarterback is going to be <laughs> right. today. I had, I had. Maybe Tory... it's your guy. Maybe it's Sam, Sam Donald. Donald. Maybe it's your guy. What, what do you yeah. think? Well, well, I mean, you know, that's it's not your team, but you're close to it. What, what? What do you think? What, the Jets have this decision to make at number two. What do you think they should do? Yeah, um, I love Sam Darnold. I think you should build around him. He's only 23 years old. I don't have to tell you, Greeny. Um, I still think it's not fair. I'm concerned about your fan base. If things go awry, you know, that, you know, I think Mark Sanchez said it to you uh, a couple of weeks ago and Mm -hmm. he's right. I mean, will the fan base turn on Sam Darnold the moment he throws his first three picks of the season? I just don't think it's fair for him. I think he has talent and I think he's, he might pull a Ryan Tannehill. He goes somewhere else and he will be successful for another team. So why not Washington? Yeah, I I think that's, I think that is right. I think he needs a fresh start, and I do believe he will still be great. And I will not even regret them giving him up, and he turns out to be great, because I don't think he would be great if he stayed, or at least I would be worried that he wouldn't right. be great if he stayed, even if that sounds contradictory. I, I, you get a sense what I'm talking about. And then for those who also, for those who don't know, Linda, I don't mean to be giving away all your secrets, but this is not something you keep <laughs> secret. Your fandom of Brady, I've never had a chance to ask you this. So Brady yes. plays the Giants in two Super Bowls. How do you remain a fan of Tom Brady when you play him? And would your fandom have remained had he beaten the Giants in either of them? Well, my son, Dan, has a lot to do with it. You know, he was born in Connecticut. He grew up a Patriots fan. Uh, The funny quick story I have, I'll always be an Eli apologist. I'm president of the Eli Manning fan club. So let's just put that out there. Let's get clarity. Eli knows how much I love him. I always go to bat for him. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer because he had everything to do with those two Super Bowls. Okay, that being said, I love Tom Brady. I love his whole story. I love the chip on the shoulder. I love blocking out the noise. I love that he uses others for inspiration. And I love the fact that the age of 43, soon to be 44, that he's still shutting everyone up. And I just love that. So at those two games when he lost to Eli Manning, of course I sided for Eli and the Giants. But my son, I was split as a mom, broke my heart. We were there for the second one in Indianapolis. And when the confetti came down and I wanted to celebrate with my team, my son Dan's like, Mom, I'll meet you outside. I go, you're not going anywhere. You've got to stay here. I couldn't even enjoy the celebration. I could not even enjoy it because I was a mom first. But anyway, I knew you'd get a kick out of that story, you being a parent and all. Greeny and the great Linda Cohen is with me here on ESPN Radio. It reminds me of a time, one of the times I made you laugh on TV, and I want you to tell the story, not of what I said, but we, we, the night the Rangers win the Stanley Cup. So, so Linda is a crazy oh. hockey fan. And again, host in the crease yeah. on ESPN+. Plus. We did a, I forget what we were doing on SportsCenter, but we were doing something in which you demonstrated <laughs> that. And you said, I'll never forget where I was on that night. And I made some joke, whatever. It doesn't make any difference. But tell that story of that night and, and the role you got to play in it. And, and have, I think all sports fans who don't know the story will get a kick out of it. 
Well, yeah, and I appreciate it um, for sure. It was one of the greatest nights of my life, 1994, of course, Game 7 against Vancouver. People automatically think, Greeny, you know this, that we get like these, you know, free opportunities to go to all these games, and it's like a, a file cabinet of free tickets. Not so much. I That, that was an un, unbelievable ticket to get. I got in there, favor from someone. I just picked my spots. I got a favor. I was in the building. And long story short, not only did I see Mark Messier and the Rangers do something I never would see in my lifetime, win a Stanley Cup, and was able to call my dad, who was in Florida at the time, because if it wasn't for my dad, I would never be a crazy fan that I am. But that night, a friend of mine, Georgie, I'll just call her Georgie, that's her name, we somehow got to the bottom of the Madison Square Garden, and there was a Paramount Theater, that's what it was called back then, and the Rangers, after the game, were celebrating the Stanley Cup win, somehow, thanks to the great Bruce Beck of NBC, local NBC. He let me in. I don't know how Bruce got in, but he let me in that party. There were like tons of people and right in front of me, Greeny, the Stanley Cup. And I got to drink from the Stanley Cup the night the Rangers won it in 1994. Never forget it. It's one of my favorite stories, Greedy and the, and the great <laughs> Linda Cohn. So, so let's finish it with this. Because you, you as I both, you know, we, we will sometimes go speak at whether it's a high school or a college or whatever it is and talk to young people who aspire to do this. I don't know if it was the same for you. When I was growing up, and you and I didn't grow up that uh, differently or that far apart from each other, when I told my grandmother I wanted to be a sports announcer, she said, and I quote, why can't you be something good? So this was not a job, everybody's <laughs> true story. My grandma Lily, I wouldn't make it up. But, but, but th- 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 that's not the world we live in anymore. As you well know, now everybody yeah. has a nephew, a niece, a cousin. Everyone wants to do this for a living. And I am very frequently asked by young women about getting into the business and what it is like now and how it is different than it once was. And I do the best I can to answer that because I, I've observed it. But I, of course, have not lived it, and you have. So what is the right answer to that question? How, 29 years later, how is it different, and what should young women who aspire to be Linda Cohn someday be thinking? First and foremost, thanks for making me laugh. That was a good cackle I just <laughs> did for your grandmother's story, okay? That's number one. Uh, <laughs> Number two, uh, it's, you know, listen, uh, I love uh, I love seeing, by the way, the amazing growth, especially on our network, ESPN, the multitude of channels of all these talented young women that are not only got opportunities, but are kicking butt. They're rock stars. And I, I'm not going to name them all because I'll say, you know, leave someone out. But what I tell young women who are trying to get into the business is, first of all, be you, be yourself. Two, you're in a living in an incredible world with technology. Everything is at your fingertips. You can make your own breaks. You can create your own persona. Or you can be you and just, you know, start taping yourself on YouTube, using social media to your advantage with hot takes, showing off your knowledge, showing off your passion. Back in the day when I did it, no excuses. I didn't have any of that. I had to bake a camera crew chocolate chip cookies, and I'm not a good cook or baker, to make them uh, obviously tape a sports tape for me because I was doing news at the time on Long Island, very local schmoko, you know, TV, cable TV, just to be able to get a sports tape together. Now it is much easier with all of the uh, wonderful social media platforms. And you just keep plugging. You know that. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're male or female. Just keep trying because at least you know you tried. Linda, you're the best. Thank you so much for being a part of this. It has been too long since I've seen you. It's a pleasure to catch up. And I hope that uh, when all of this madness is, you know, when we can all get together again, I hope we can get together again. Great to see you. Thank you, Linda. I would love that. And continued success, Greeny. 
really proud of you. Thank you. The great Linda Cohn. Thank you so much. Her laugh is so distinctive. It's a true story. That was like a, a common thing in the newsroom back in the day. That would have been like I, I, not limited to, but I'm thinking in particular of Steve Levy, Carl Ravitch. I was I did not work with Craig Kilborn. Kilborn left right before I got here. Rich Eisen, Stewart. Um, I never worked with Dan or Keith. I mean, I was working at the same time as them, but um, I never did any shows with them. But it was well known. You wanted to make Linda laugh because Linda was everyone else. Would you, a lot of people would be stoic. But Linda and you hear the laugh there. I assume most people already know it, but she's got this fantastic, very um, a contagious laugh. Like when she laughs, it's impossible not to smile. She described it as a cackle. It's a cackle. I mean, she, but she's, she's, she will laugh if you say something funny. And so that was, I think it was everybody's intention was to try and make her, like you knew it was funny if you made her laugh. Like, like a, if you're trying to be funny, if you're doing a show and you're trying to be funny and you're completely alone in a room, for example, like for the first few months that we relaunched this radio show, I was doing it from home. And I'm sitting by myself in the basement of my house, and I'm saying what I think are pricelessly funny things because I'm just that way. <laughs> and I got no one to respond to me. And, and Nuno will tell you I was frustrated because I was, I don't know if I'm being funny or not. I don't know if my jokes are landing. I don't know if anything is funny. It's like doing a, a sitcom without a laugh track. Like, how do you know if it's funny if no one is laughing? And, you know, anchoring SportsCenter was kind of that way, too, especially at a time when, when SportsCenter was designed to be more humorous um, because that was, there were no opinion-based shows. This is before there was a Mike and Mike or a PTI or any of that stuff. SportsCenter was the showcase for the biggest people at ESPN, and they would be showing off their personality. That's how Stewart became Stewart and Keith and Dan and all those people, including Linda. And um, Linda would laugh at your jokes, so you would know it was funny. If she laughed at it and it made you feel better, you know, it made you feel good. You know, oh, she laughed. That would, obviously it worked. So anyway, but she's the best. To know Linda is, is just to love her and she is just great fun. And I'm delighted we're able to do that. What a great thing this turned into, this legendary voices. We, were, we just were looking for something to do during what felt like it might be a dead time in the world of sports. And it has proven to be anything but that. But it has still been a delight to catch up with all of these people from Costas to Linda to Will Bond to everyone else that we've talked to. So this has been just great. All right, Greeny, with you. Uh, just finishing it up today, we are going to set aside at least an hour the next time we get a chance to do that NBA topic again about the threes. Because Nuno told me the phones exploded. And I, I, I put two segments aside for it today. I'll be honest with you. We don't always get things right as these hosts that I am. I thought, well, I'll do two segments. That'll be plenty of time. We need to do at least an hour on this and get everybody involved. So I promise you, if you found that topic interesting, which I think it it just inarguably was, we will set aside some time as this week goes by to get calls in on it. But the news that is coming in right now is something you should expect more of. For example, the Saints have just announced a couple of cuts of big-name players. Quan Alexander and Emmanuel Sanders have been cut by the Saints. Those are important players. Those are good players. And there's going to be a ton of that. Because the NFL has officially set its salary cap for next year. That came across this morning. Excuse me. The salary cap will be $182.5 million. That's way less. It's like, what is it, $16 million less than yeah, it was? So. $16 million less than it was this past year. Way less than anybody had been budgeting for 18 months ago before we knew there was going to be a pandemic. And I think even a little less than these teams might have been hoping it would be a week ago. So I think that's what they were waiting for. The new league year starts next Wednesday. Today is a week from today. 
So in the next week, between now and next Tuesday, you are going to see a ton of these players get cut. A ton. So that's something to keep an eye on as you're following social media and listening to the radio shows and everything else. You'll be hearing a lot of that breaking news. So it has started in New Orleans with some players that you know, and it is going to continue through a lot of different places around the NFL. What a fun day this was. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.